episode early by saying I think we can maybe do a short show today. What do you think? <laughs> you're a you're a kibosh guy and not a not a kibosh yeah. guy. Yeah, I'm a kibosh guy. You're a kibosh guy? I don't know, I never say it, but I, I think I would be a kibosh guy if I talk if I said that. Hmm. Yeah, well maybe you're a That's how I hear guy. it. Like when you say kibosh, my brain takes a split second to be like, what is he? Oh yeah, it's kibosh. <laughs> Okay. Is that maybe a Chicago thing, the kibosh? Put the kibosh on? I don't know. Tell us on Twitter, people. I think I'm just out of, out of step. <laughs> Let us know. Uh, I am doing this show today from uh, your hometown of Chicago. That, um, and that's beautiful, man. Are you beautiful. doing any? You know, I didn't even... Shame on me. Oh, you know what? I'll pretend I was saving it for the podcast. Hold on. <laughs> uh, I was saving this for the podcast. That's why I didn't ask you in our earlier conversation. But uh, are, are you having any good dinners while you're in Chicago? I had a fantastic dinner last night at a place called Adelina, mm-hmm. uh, which was an Italian joint. And it presents itself as very kind of formal, old school waiters and tuxes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, fancy chandelier in the dining room. Um, which is fine, but I think sort of kind of tricks you a little bit. Like it doesn't belie how interesting and innovative the cooking was. Um, like, you know, we, we ordered the pasta course and I would say none of the pastas came out in any way that I would have expected. Like I ordered a bolognese and it was white. (laughs) Oh wow. And yet it was amazing. You know, uh, my friend had, uh, had popcorn in his pasta. Also amazing. (laughs) (laughs) um so and and yeah it was one of those places where like even the sides were were really really good um i just everything was uh really interesting um and super tasty and cooked to perfection and the housemate pastas were great uh strong recommend on adelina for me okay that's good to know um i am uh seeing some shows that's pretty much what i'm here for nice are you are you gonna try to get to our guy Demar's spot? Uh, so it was hard. You know, it wasn't super easy last time I was in town to uh-huh. get to Virtue. Uh, since that happened, um, uh, Demar's mentor, whose name unfortunately is escaping me at the moment, but you know, was on Eric the show. Something. Yeah. Uh, so he won like a big James Beard award uh, in the interim. And so I think it's gotten even more difficult to get in, which is a long-winded way of saying, uh, no, no, I won't be going. Right on. So uh, I may, there's, there's a Rick Bayless joint that I may get invited to dinner to go to tonight. And if not, I'm going to think I'm going to try Joe Flam's place. 
Oh, nice. Yeah. Our old buddy so Flam. Awesome. Yep, back at it again. What's uh, that one called? Fulton Market, I believe, is the name of his new restaurant. Yeah. All right. I got to, you know, I should try to figure out one nice dinner to have with the wife when I'm back in town in uh, the end of the end of August. I <sighs> I mean, I would say if if you're if it's the end of August, then try to make that virtue reservation now. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the right thing to do. Pro- probably got a decent shot at it. Yeah. Yeah. So um but yeah, this is a, what a fantastic eating town and you know, Chicago is also really great on the on the low end eats as well. Oh, um, believe me, I know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't have to tell you that. You know what I mean? Uh, I feel like I need to get it. You know, after watching the bear, I feel like I need to get an Italian beef uh, sandwich before I leave as well. Oh, so well, that'll be on the agenda. I like. It's been too long since I lived in Chicago for me to pretend to like know the best italian beef spot but to be honest like you can go to portillo's and get a hell of an italian beef sandwich you'll be fine yeah and i probably will uh my hotel is next to a nando's so i i jumped in there yesterday just to kind of uh you know see if it lived up to the uh to the hype (laughs) it was pretty good i gotta say i have never been to an nando's i've obviously it's become such a thing in pop culture i'm aware of it um but you know it took me forever to, to try to have chick-fil-a for the first time as well because you know that we we never had it in the midwest yeah although it's all over chicago now it is but it was not yeah. when i was young no correct yeah that's a that's a recent development are you are you uh politics aside are you uh pro the chick-fil-a sandwich like yeah, I've probably had it less than 10 times in my life, but I think it tastes very good. Yeah, I'm a big fan. And yeah. a particularly big fan of the uh, weekend chicken biscuit when, you know, maybe a little bit hungover. If I recall correctly, I did have my first Chick-fil-A somewhat ceremoniously after the legalization of gay marriage. <laughs> oh, look at that. That's good. <laughs> Like, cause at a certain point, like by the time I even was aware that it was a thing that people liked that was out there. And I, and by the time I finally saw one, I was old enough that it was like, I don't know. I can wait a little longer for these buttheads. And now, uh, I don't, I don't know that I'll be having that again anytime soon. Like it's not, it is not to me so good or important to my life that it's worth having and thinking about the politics the whole time I'm eating it. Cause that's what will happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of which, um, and I, you know, already blowing the short show by taking us on another side detour. Yeah. We haven't started <laughs> um, talking about anything, but let's go, let's do this. Is what, you know, honestly for the seven people that are listening, I think this is what makes the show good. And the, the only reason I'm going to talk about this is uh, because hopefully it's only seven people listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I think some people will be mad at me if they know that I went to see Dave Chappelle last week. Oh. Um, I, 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 he did a couple shows here in Minneapolis that caused some controversy. Uh, and one of them got moved uh, after protests. I saw that. Uh, First, at Prince's old place said no, right? Correct. They, they said yes, and then they said no. I've... 
they've already booked Chappelle before. I think even post one of the first of the specials. But well, um, I you know I I think first of all I think we all know most businesses respond to protest much more than any other thing, but also. First of all, I, I have no issue with you going to see Dave Chappelle. Um, but I do think, whether this is truly what's behind First Avenue's decision or not, I do think that, that really there is something to, and that he loses, you know, a couple, a few more people every day to a degree to the relentlessness of his decision to pick a fight with a very specific very oppressed group of people yeah and he's doing a an interesting dance uh i think with the material now um in that he's kind of like he's making a lot of jokes about the lots of people protesting outside the shows you know what i mean yeah. uh kind of really more going at it that way if if it makes sense it seems like you know he he, he told the story about how um you know he was doing a bit he was in the news and then things had finally cooled down and he was doing a bit and um uh about like uh somebody who got murdered with it, like who got stabbed uh, and he said he made one like kind of throwaway line about how it was a knife that identified as a gun or something like that. And and then all of a sudden he was back in the news again and people were protesting. And so I think you could kind of I think you could kind of tell like there's a certain amount of heat he's willing to deal with and a certain amount he's not. And he's sort of dancing around those lines. I don't know. The one of the reasons why I felt like this was sort of a safe space to discuss this is because obviously we on this show dove into those specials. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think my feelings about the 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 trans material. I think both of us made our feelings pretty clear. Like we're not really big fans of that. Um, but but I mean, time, what percentage I, of the show it, that you saw? Right. What what percentage of the what percentage of the specials or the show that we that we saw the other night? The show that you saw the other night. What percentage of it had to do whatsoever with trans people? Yeah, fifteen to twenty. I would okay. Say maybe. I mean, that's still probably more than I would like, but that's also eighty percent of Dave Chappelle, who we both love, and I think to some degree still respect. We just pretty strongly disagree with him on a thing and on the way he's gone about a particular thing. Yeah, and look, and I, and and honestly, I think it part a lot of it was that high because it really does hang in the air, and I yeah. will say the crowd had a little bit of different edge to it. Uh -huh. You know, like, I think there were definitely some people who liked that there were protesters outside and right. wanted to tell those protesters to F off. And that's also not me. Right. But at the same time, you know, it's like you walk in and people are yelling at you and like literally holding up signs of dead trans kids Jeez. and saying, you're going in there to laugh at that. You know, you're paying to laugh at this. And it's like, no, that's that's not what I'm doing. You know, just because I uh, am at the show doesn't mean that I sign off on everything that's said in the show. That's not really how it works, right? And it's yeah. it's a little weird to me that that community in particular would be so binary about this. Like, either it's like you're with them or this material or you're against them. 
it's like I I just don't see it that way. You know what I mean? Like I don't I, I don't know. I don't don't we evaluate these people sort of as individuals and um I I don't know. Like I I also find it a little bit weird, right? That you know the rest of Chappelle's material. I mean, what he's arguably famous for is you know really difficult material about difficult to talk about topics you know what i mean and and a lot about oppressed peoples right there are a lot of oppressed peoples in his material um and i did find it weird because well uh he does you know the people protesting were definitely all of one shade if you know what i mean he takes aim historically at at the majority and i think that's the difference here in terms of, you know, between this edgy material and that edgy material is this is taking aim at, again, a, I don't want to say downtrodden, but, like, oppressed and in danger. Like, I don't I don't know what the right word is. Yeah. I think there's always, I think that's always been our issues. It feels like he's punching down a little bit here. Right. Uh, in a way that, he's a much like, more effective comedian when he's punching up, you know? Correct. And in a way that, like, I think those signs are clearly... <clears throat> over dramatic but but like i do get it like dave Chappelle is not normalizing hate crime but he is normalizing laughing at the community and yeah. that, that can be damaging and and i understand that and that's why i disagree with the way he's handled all of that frankly um even though you know like Uh, I I don't know. Some of it he has tried to handle uh, in a more respectful way, and I think not necessarily executed. Uh, I'm thinking of the uh, you know I had a trans friend um, yeah story. Well, I do think you know like like I said, we we both got into how we're not really into the, that that material yeah. per se. But I but I would also say this if I you know that. I don't think any of it was uh, hateful. You know, none of it was. That's right. And that's what I'm saying. Rights or respect. You know what I mean? He was not normalizing Um, hate or or crime against the community or attacks against the community. But he was normalizing laughing at the community, which I think the community somewhat rightly, but again, perhaps heavy handedly in the case of people standing and holding signs, believes is. It's like on the uh, on the, the the slope, slippery or not, towards hate crimes. And, yeah, and, and you that's know. fine. But like the people, the people standing outside that show were um, were directly connecting the people going into the show to hate crimes, which seems right. like a lot. No, of and, course it is a lot, and and, and it's over the top. There was and there's an altercation on the way out, by the way. Like somebody threw some water at people coming out of the show, oh and then there was, you know. It was just, it was, I don't know, it was weird and, and a little bit ugly at the end of the day. Well, it does seem, frankly, an over-the-top response to a comedian. Um, and I do wonder, <clears throat> not, listen, and again, when I say that, I'm not talking about the, the general response from the trans community, which is basically to denounce the material. And to be disappointed in Dave Chappelle. I think those are reasonable reactions. I think standing outside with a sign (laughs) is the extreme uh, over-the-top one. And I do wonder what percentage of the extreme over-the-top people 
are the people who are actually affected by what Dave is saying or doing, as opposed to people who just want a cause to stand outside with a vile, you know, yeah. a, an upsetting sign. Um, you know, he said he went out there and talked to, to some of those people and, and said, uh, uh, so which jokes were, and he, he didn't really get a lot of specific response back, which, you know, would, would not surprise me just based on sort of the, the tone of the discussion that seemed to be happening when I was out there. Yeah. Um, and look, I, for what it's worth, it's nobody's job to teach Dave Chappelle about the world as it evolves it's his job to learn it but for whatever it's worth uh those signs do not help um yeah it's, you know broaden his mind space they're not that's <laughs> not that's not the correct approach to to achieve a more enlightened dave Chappelle. right and you know trying to silence a really popular comedian is also a bit of a it's just yeah, and look, I, I mean, how productive that's gonna be. yeah, and 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 honestly, like, not to not to be over the top myself, but I think that you know the best case scenario for the world is a more enlightened Dave Chappelle, not like a further alienated on this subject and or, or less relevant Dave Chappelle. Like, uh, an enlightened Dave Chappelle is best for everyone. Yeah. And I don't think he's beyond enlightenment on this issue, but, but for whatever reason, he seems to have a sort of mental block in terms of understanding this community as a, as a legitimate and, and therefore disrespected and oppressed community. Yeah. Well, and now he's not entirely unreasonably, I would say in a really, he's in a really defensive crouch. Correct. All of it. Right. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's a, it's, it's not the best place. And I don't know that I will continue to go to Chappelle shows over the rest of my life. I mean, I've been to a lot of them, but I don't know that I will continue if it could, you know, if it keeps heading down this road, like there's going to be a point where it's, it's going to be too much. For me, well, it's so. just, that it's the thing where like, even if you enjoy the show, ultimately it's not worth the like stress and upsettingness of the trip in and out. To yeah. Spend your it money. Yeah. Like you'll see the special when it comes out, and it'll be fine. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Let's. Uh, you should we? You want to jump in the challenge? Yeah, buddy. That was a big long distraction to start. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, I don't. You know, I don't have a ton to say about this, and I'm working without notes today. Um, oh, of course. But you I are. will. But I will say, uh, it felt a little early for trivia. You know, yes. like we had. A lot of players still left in this game. Uh, you know, we had to do a couple of, of rounds. There were, like, heats of trivia. Yeah. Um, and um, I feel like trivia often is a really good sort of leveler, equalizer, disruptor, you know, yes. in a game. And I just don't know that Too we early. have had enough game to, to do that. You know what I mean? Yes, and, and I think because of how many people they did the dumb – you know, name something in this category version of trivia, which means people didn't get to show you how stupid they are. Um, right. Like, some of those, I had some issues with some of the, some of the questions and, and like wording and categories and stuff, but, uh, you know, they're, they're small, so I'll, I'll leave the specifics out. Uh, there were a few things that I do have in my notes, although uh, not too much, and we can get into the, the more meat of the show later, but... <laughs> 
this this guy, the ex football player, whose name I'm is it Danny? Yeah, <laughs> the, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh... Yes, the Pittsburgh. <laughs> him reasoning out the Pittsburgh Penguins, like I don't know if that's BS or not, but like it was hilarious. He he just he was like, well. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh, they usually win in a lot of things. Penguins are an icy animal. Uh, so that's how you get Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> yep. It's like, I know they're not the Pirates. Yep. It's a Pirates are baseball. Um, and he saved them. Uh, and, again, with his wife, Kiki, too. She, yeah. He mentioned her at least three times. There's a three, Kiki's got a lot of love on this show. <laughs> uh, there is a three Kiki minimum uh, per episode. <laughs> Of the Challenge USA, <laughs> I, and uh, you know what? Shout out Kiki. Kiki. Yeah, yep. it's, it's like, I, like it. I assume that he knows his wife, and that Kiki wants us to know who she is, and know that you know Danny is her man, and can, you know, shout out to her. You she remember? Got it done. Uh, you remember Ballers? Um, yeah. The the offensive lineman who becomes a general manager or whatever. Yes. Um, I imagine that uh, his wife is a lot like that. Like that's a lot what Kiki's like. Does that 100%. make sense? Hundred <laughs> percent. And you know what? He seems like a really like positive, cheery, happy guy. So uh, shout out Danny and Kiki. It seems to be going great. Yeah, yeah. Happy for you, kids. Um, <laughs> so what TJ, by about? the way, was just. I don't even – it was almost too much, the laughter this time, although I still love it. He was laughing before he even introduced that it was a trivia day. <laughs> yeah. He was laughing. He would be laughing before, like, uh, telling people they were wrong or not, just cackling. You know yes. what I mean? You're like, he can barely contain himself. And I, 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 did... I get it Sorry, because they were – people were reacting hilariously, to be fair. Yes, yes, they were. <laughs> uh, I, I did want to ask you about something that I heard uh, Matt Bellany, who does the the Town podcast, uh, and is a big challenge guy, was talking about mm-hmm. that CBS has really switched up TJ's wardrobe. Have you noticed this? Um, and apparently, the internet is not into it. I mean, maybe they've like bought him some new shirts, but he's still. He's the same. His style hasn't really changed. (laughs) I mean, he was wearing a a pretty interesting orange jacket number this week that I feel like would not would you would not have seen on MTV. I I will say that. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe, but it's not like his style. It's not like you're like, geez, what is TJ wearing? Like that doesn't seem like something. Yeah, or put him in a suit or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he still comes in with like a pea coat. And the collar popped on a cold day. You know what I'm saying? Like he, I, I don't know. I, yeah, the, maybe they they've networked his wardrobe a little bit, but it's still TJ's wardrobe. Yep, yep. All right, let's get to. Uh, should we get to Alyssa's big move? Right. I mean, that's I guess really the sort of the focus of the show here. Um, yeah. One, one, th- and this is related. The, the, the one other thing in my notes. Xavier, <laughs> they did a great job. I, you know, you can tell it's the same editors. 
um, from the challenge family or people who at least understand the challenge very well. Um, because the edit for Xavier in this episode was tremendous. All right. <laughs> he starts at the very beginning of the episode by being like, sure, all these people I was on Big Brother with, I stabbed each and every one of them in the back, and I stole the money. But honestly, that's in the past. I'm over it. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, buddy, you're over it. You're over it. <laughs> You've got the money, and you screwed them. I And he's like, I. he's basically like, I'm over it. I assume everybody else is too. Right, right. You know, usually when you screw people over on national television, um, yeah, they, they forget about it quickly. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's and like when you're back on national television a year later, they're definitely not going to bring it up or anything. <laughs> no, 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 they're past it. <laughs> um. I did think that strategically, like, and, you know, I don't know. This is maybe, maybe this is sort of my lens of the show, but like, I still feel like a lot of the Big Brother and Survivor people are very much in the mindsets of those games and not this one. You know what I mean? Well, um, certainly, I think we have to say that about the Big Brother people after this week, right? Because yeah. every single one of them rubber stamped this. And although Xavier is a goofy, somewhat clueless dickhead, he is absolutely right that, like, they are playing the game the wrong way. And when he's like, I came here to win, not to, to like, get revenge about some old shit, he's right that they are stepping on their toes, their own toes, trying yeah. to get revenge for some old shit instead of trying to win this game. And from a gameplay standpoint, even if, even if you know, one of your gameplay goals or whatever is to take out Xavier, it's pretty early in the game to do it. Like, that easily could have worked out with him coming back to the house. Like, it was a close elimination, right? Well, and it's not just and that. It's not just that. It's you're also diminishing your numbers, which are is it's a huge strength for the Big Brother Alliance if you just keep that together. How many times have we seen on the flagship show good good alliances and bad alliances? Good alliances focus on their numbers and then all of a sudden they're basically the only ones left and they take each other out. And fair enough. Bad alliances start messing with each other before it even gets to that point, and then they lose the game to the good alliance. Yep, yep. So, and this is the game where, the, like I said, the numbers started kind of uneven to begin with, right? So, um, yeah. And in a know, way, it, in a way, not just numbers, but numbers of quality are particularly important in this gameplay style because it's not voting, it's winner. It's basically every week it's winner take all. And so the the best way and because the teams get mixed every week, the best way to have one of your people on the winning team and keep yourself reasonably safe is to have as many individuals from your team as possible. So like it's just not good gameplay to eliminate one of the stronger dudes from your team. Yep. You know, big brother thinking very big brothery. I, I I do have a bit of a plea for the producers. I'm, you know, it's established. I'm on board with this algorithm. Like I think it's it's good. I can see why it's important to the game. I don't think it makes a good cliffhanger, and it's I, it's just a weird like 
ending the show like right before the, the algorithm starts spitting out names every week is like, I don't know. I think we can go out on a higher note. You know what I mean? And just do the algorithm at some point during each episode. Um, I think they want to lead each episode off with the algorithm. That's why yeah, it ends it, like that. I don't think it it's because like of it. a cliffhanger moment so much as because they want each episode to be like, all right, here's the partners for this week. Right. Well, they could they could start each episode with that without ending each episode with like the algorithm beep boop 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 You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess you're right. But it's not like we want them to end the episode without a conclusion to the elimination. Like, I don't feel Correct. like challenge episodes are generally cliffhangers for the most part. Like, it's not like the great challenge episodes end in cliffhangers. They usually end in a resolution. So I don't really have a problem with just ending at the end, you know, without the beep, beep, boop. Yeah. Do the elimination. Give me some scenes on and let's get out of here. Yeah, I I don't necessarily care much either way, but but I hear what you're saying. I think that's one of those things that's a little networked up. But I do yeah. wonder if it, it you know I, I this is just one of those things, man. Like I, you have a thing that's great, a thing that clearly is growing in popularity and productivity, and you decide to expand it and franchise it. Why are you messing with it? Yep. Yeah. It's too much messing. Like you don't like here's an idea. Just try the thing that a lot of people like in the big place and see if everybody likes it. Right? Yeah. And and yeah. if everybody doesn't like it, fair enough. Make some changes. But I to to make the change it to like when you take the creative thing Whatever it is, this could be a, a fictional narrative show. When you take the creative thing that has success in the sort of smaller box and you want to put it in the big box, adjusting it to the specifications you're already using for all the stuff in the big box is so silly to me. Because yeah. you're never going to update to, to changing taste, you know? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, you want to move on to some shows? You got yeah, yeah. more you wanted to add for this week. Well, I you know, um I I I still think we're we're more or less in the same spot with who the scariest teams are and maybe prob or scariest people are, and I think maybe even more so because sur the survivor team is now gonna have the ability to dominate numbers wise whenever that comes into play and, and you know, already had some of the most likely weekly winners. So, yeah, it, I did want to add. I, I thought it was a very impressive performance from Justine uh, this week. She seems like she she does what she's doing. Yep. Um, yeah. you don't necessarily expect from the Love Island crew. She's she's here to win. Well, yeah, I I think you know it's for me the Love Island crew. It's not that I don't expect anything. I said necessarily. <laughs> right. No, I, I know. I, I'm just elaborating on that. It, it's not that I, you know, or, or it's not that I, like, disexpect them to be good. It's that I, you just don't know. They could yeah. be, you know, of course Love Island has athletic competitive people, but it also definitely has people who are just not like that, right? So yeah. you just got to gotta kind of wait and see. And I, I would actually say most of the Love Island – cast have been pleasantly surprising in terms of their level of competitiveness 
Yeah, I mean, you think they're going to compete with their charm, you know, kind of maybe more cachet style, if right. you will. Uh, but a lot of them show up, you know, on the field as yeah. well. So, yeah. so good for them. Um, all right, I want to ask you about Bust Down because I'm curious about your take. This was uh, one of your suggestions, and I thought it was interesting to say the least. So, uh, well, what did you think? I had heard it was a really good show. And um, with all due respect, I would uh, gently disagree with that and say it's a perfectly good show, if that makes sense. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. It is funny at times. I get it. It's different. It's, It's blacker than most of the shows on streaming networks. And, I would say it's blacker than most of the shows in the universe. <laughs> yeah, it's a very it's an extremely black show. I I, I think it's entirely possible that I, I don't want to say I'm missing much because I don't think I am. It's possible that you know I'm too white for for some of the material. Uh, but I honestly also just think it is in terms of the like level of hilarity. Just pretty good, not really great. You know, like yeah, it's, just, it's funny but not funny. hilarious, if or something. Yeah. Like it's it's a perfectly good show that I don't think I'm gonna watch any more of. I watched three episodes, I think, and and uh, I had a few laughs, and and I I get it. And if you like it, I support you. And I even like it fine. But in in the ridiculous crowded landscape of TV, it's not something I'm gonna. I, I expect to spend a ton of time on. Well, it's like, I mean, I think you have four interesting, um, charismatic and individually funny performers. Yes. Uh, you know, kind of on this show, um, which was why, I don't know, it keeps, it it left me feeling like this should have been funnier. Like I should have laughed more. And I don't know if that's because, you know, the first episode is pretty deep dive into molestation, you know, (laughs) like they're, they're kind of hitting on some topics that are, uh. They are definitely um, pushing buttons. Yeah. You know, there's a character who is covered in jizz <laughs> for a half an episode. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's, uh, you know, so, some things that uh, weren't, weren't the easiest to tackle, I guess I would say. Um, and yeah, I left it like you. I do think it's an interesting quirk of language that um, a, a really good show is better than a perfectly good show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but it kind of is right so, yeah um, yeah like i don't even like i feel like calling it decent would be would be insulting in a way that it doesn't deserve because it, it's funny it has its moments it's 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 perfectly good yeah i could see it uh hitting the spot for somebody um but uh but did, didn't quite hit the mark for me is no. that fair? Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's let's get into, let's get into some more. Like, um, I, I don't. I I hope this comes off the right way, but I would say in many ways it's like a. It's like a lot of other, perfectly good sort of sitcoms that have come and gone, except much much blacker. There you go. Um. How many rap uh, shit episodes did you watch? There's only the two, right? 
Yeah, I don't know if it, I didn't. I didn't know if a third one had come out since I since I watched the two. Oh, um, it may have come out last night, but I didn't get to it. But I, yeah, I only watched the, the the first two, and I have to say, after episode one, I was kind of down on it. Um, you know, the structure, which I think yes. uh, eventually okay. I get of. Can we uh, hold on? Let me stop you right there because <clears throat> we're going to say the exact same thing about this. Um, or let's find out. <laughs> I think so, yeah, after episode I one, think, I I was like, you know, the way it shot everyone from everyone's phones and like we're all like inside Instagram or some shit. Like this is some yeah, this is some weird stuff for the youngs, and maybe I'm too old for it. And yeah, honestly, I was like, man, like this felt made me feel older than watching Euphoria. <laughs> yes, like, and what episode? And on by the end of episode two, I don't honestly know if that changed or if i just got used to it but i had forgotten about it no see i think what it is that i think episode two should have been the pilot like they just didn't really need to make episode one you know um because it seems to me like once the show comes into focus as it's like okay here are the characters and they're gonna start a rap group and try to make it it became a much more interesting show and i really liked episode two um yeah, like so, the first I think I think the first scene in the show should have been uh what's her name? Megan? I'm gonna get these all wrong. Yeah, I Mia. Remember anybody's name. Mia <laughs> Mia yeah. Mia Knight. Should have been Mia calling and now I'm not gonna remember her name. Um anyway. Should have been the phone call. Is it Shauna? Shauna? That, right? that sounds right. Uh, the phone call from Mia to Shauna should have been the first scene in the show being like, Hey, can you look after my daughter while I do someone's makeup? Right. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the, and then basically you go into the second episode more or less. Um, you know, maybe the cold open is, uh, that, phone call up to them making the song in the car or whatever and then yeah because the first episode winds up basically just being character development right like you're like sort of understanding yeah who these people are if not how they fit together or what what, what they're all gonna do you know what i mean and then there's this old um you know there's clearly this old relationship baggage that you kind of have to get into or whatever that I, don't but I, mean, I just feel like could have been could have been written in another way. But couldn't you just think of this as one big episode, one big pilot? Yeah, I guess you could. I guess you could. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I hear I, I like I think we had the same reaction and I I feel you on this could have the, the second episode could have been the first sort of and save the character development for as we go. But also if i just think of it as one episode i'm very excited about this and and yeah in particular the two lead characters are just spectacularly charming and i'm excited to see where they're headed me too and i would not have said that after episode one so um so that's that's where i landed uh million is the uh is the woman She's like a writer and rapper who's playing Mia. Oh, okay. 
I feel like I've seen her from somewhere before. She's like a second tier kind of famous lady rapper. <laughs> and she was on a season of Love and Hip Hop Miami. Oh, gotcha. I like how they snuck one insecure style sex scene in there. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, that yeah. shows has a certain gaze. <laughs> yep. You can sort of, you know, and look, oh, there it is. Um, but you know, uh, it was fun. Uh, I'm curious if we are if we're gonna line up in the same place on the rehearsal, uh, which was the Nathan Fielder show. Um, I have a feeling we are because I can only kind of imagine one one reaction from a like mildly intelligent and and engaged with the world human being was that reaction what the fuck is this <laughs> no not exactly no okay <laughs> what, what was your reaction then? <laughs> what, was that your reaction not like uh, yeah i would say I would have say you watched the... this is it as a I, i'm not enjoying this i only watched one Oh man. You only watched one. Yeah. <sighs> well, if you hated it that much, I hate to make you watch another. <laughs> oh, so you're you're totally on the other side of this. Okay. Well, I'm not I mean <laughs> Did you by the end of episode 1 were you still like not into it at all? I was yes. I, I, my current position is not into this at all. Interesting. Did you watch Nathan for you? Yeah, I really like Nathan for you. Really? Yeah. So okay, well let's start with you. You Why didn't don't... like Nathan for you, right? No, it's not that I didn't like it. I just didn't watch all that much of it. I found it funny, but not like I needed to watch more. It was sort of like I, I get it. It's it's funny enough. I get it, but it's not the sort of thing I love to watch all of. A ton of yeah. I mean, I guess it was sort of the point, right? That this guy's issue that he's worried about with his friends isn't that interesting, um, and that the friends don't really care about this thing that he's really worried about. Well, they might like, not, but her, her reaction could have been very violent. You heard him, right? Right. <laughs> I guess I just don't like. I don't know. I had a hard time with the concept and like hiring these actors and then trying to figure out like are the people that he's talking to are those real people or are those also actors like what is what if this is real you know what i mean like there's a whole kind of andy kaufman-esque vibe to it you know yeah. what i mean yeah um that i don't know just i just it just it, none of it works for me um that's funny because funny oh see because that i think is exactly what does appeal to me at least in terms of like i'm gonna want to know a little more about how real it is at some point, I think. And then maybe I won't get that satisfaction, but I'm fascinated by, I mean, this is just so, so for, if, if you're not watching it, Nathan Fielder, uh, known for being like incredibly weird and deadpan in silly situations has created situations where he intends to like, fully rehearse real world scenarios with people ahead of time starting with this guy wanting to tell his friends you know about a, a lie he's been telling for a decade um 
and and for that he recreates a house and a bar and uh goes hires actors to play this guy's friends and on and on and on the second episode the concept is a lady who's probably about my age somewhere around my age or your uh, between our ages i would guess you know uh, early 40s ish maybe she's younger i don't know it's hard she's one of those people that's hard to place but she is you know the concept is she thinks she wants to have a baby if she can get the right circumstances you know a partner and and uh financial uh stability and whatnot um and nathan wants to help her practice to find out whether that's something she really wants and can deal with even if she does get the right scenario so he's trying to create the right scenario by giving her a nice house out in the suburbs of portland (laughs) and i think this is where it is and then um trying to find someone to live with her as her co-parent and then have children child actors of ages zero through 18 fast track her through the life of a child over the course of like a month or two gotcha okay and without spoiling much it gets very weird very quickly and her story is not at all over by the end of the episode to the point where i wonder if the rest of the season will be focused on this particular experiment of rehearsing raising a child um and look how real is it i mean how real can it be with a bunch of child actors but this lady is incredibly bizarre and feels like i'm gonna wonder how real she is all all season if this is the focus of the rest of the season and and i find it oddly compelling none of it's real is that is that better if none of it's real or is it worse i don't know but either way, there are babies being rotated in and out of a home, which is, on some level, hilarious and insane. There's hilarious, yes. insane stuff happening, at least from my perspective. And the edge of, like, who is real? I, because, really, the, part of the, the joke of Nathan in any context to this point in his career is, what is real about you? Yeah. And I think right. this just takes it to the ultimate extreme. And in a way, look, I, part of the experience of watching it is at times feeling uncomfortable and unsure and just weird. But to me, there are enough laughs and it is compelling enough that I think it's kind of genius in, a, in its own weird way. All right. I was ready to put this in the I think you should leave bucket, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back. I'm going to go back. And uh, for me, it's funnier than see, that. See if it comes, if it comes through. I, it's certainly more high concept than that, and certain, certain. And I, I, there's something about it that really has sucked me in. So I will be watching it at least for now. All right. Um, the uh, the last thing we got to talk about is the Gray Man, right? Mm. Um, which I could sum up in one word, which would be forgettable. Um. Uh... Yeah. Well, (laughs) no, I mean, I I don't think I can disagree with forgettable, but 
I would also say it was not unpleasant. Like, it was not a... I don't feel... I'm not upset I spent my time with it. No, it's just it's just a hollow movie, right? It's it's You can tell that they're like, we're going to get the Russo brothers to direct this. They're reliable. We're going to yep. cast some, some really big names. They're going to come up with some awesome set pieces, which you can tell that they put a lot of time into staging. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're okay. write writing a script. Yes, but but here's what here's what I would say. If someone said if someone was like, I need you to throw throw together an incredibly broad but incredibly appealing and ultimately well executed basically pilot film to a Fast and Furious style franchise of action flicks. I think this is a pretty good version of that. And see, I, and I, the reason I would disagree with that is like, doesn't that really start with characters you want to root for? Like, I don't care about anyone in this movie at all. Yeah, maybe you're right. I, but I think we have to accept that sometimes what really may, I mean, you don't watch Fast and Furious movies either, right? Well, yeah, that's fair. But so I think I can what, tell you about I can tell you about Fast and Furious characters right now. You know what I mean? And I understand how they're iconic to people. So well, but do you really? Like, why is Vin? Why is why yeah. is Dominic Toretto iconic? <laughs> that's that's a fairly complicated question. Isn't it just? I think they're. I think there are different levels of appreciation for Dominic Toretto. You know what I mean? Like for some people it's, he's an ironic joke. And for some people he is like, you know, the, uh, an icon for family. Right. I don't. Badassity. Okay. But, but I don't know how many people out there are, looking at Dominic Toretto as an iconic family man with no irony. Oh, I think quite a few. I think quite a few. I think there are people who watch it with lots of irony, and I think there are people who watch it with absolutely none. I don't know that it's absolutely none, because I just don't think, and, and I think the fact that you're not watching these movies attests to this, like that the, none of those films, and I love them, but none of them are <laughs> written so well or acted so spectacularly and and like deeply as opposed to sort of caricature that the family part is all that like like I think I think there are people who watch it with an appreciation for the concept of this, you know, uh, heter hetero heterogeneous created family, but also not necessarily being like, I think Dominic uh, Vin Diesel's performance as Dominic Toretto is the exemplar of of being a a high quality family man. Like I don't, you know what I mean? I like it's still here, just ultimately the ultimately the Fast and the Furious movies are a bunch of incredible action set pieces done really well with characters you love, but they're not particularly well-written or, or, or like yeah, insightful I, I or deep. 
here's what I'd say. Maybe this doesn't, I, this isn't necessarily disagreeing with what you're saying, but I don't watch these movies, but I did watch uh, the tail end of the one where Paul Walker dies, uh, or, you know, the one they shot after Paul Walker died, you know, and, and you know, there's that scene where he, you know, takes the, the fork in the road and they're playing See You Again, you know, and even me, who barely knows anything about the series and basically only saw the first one, um, like, that was emotional even for me, and that's because you care about these people, right? No, that's because so, a man died in real life. Well, that too, but like... I don't think that's you know, a fair comparison. If they, people are sad Derek. about not seeing that character again. Are they not? Sure, but only in the context of a dead man. If he had just quit the series, you would have looked at that and been like, what is this cheesy bullshit? Yeah, I don't know, maybe. I think it hits, I think it hits though, because like those, those characters are meaningful to people, even as they're terribly acted and whatever. Well, not, right, but that's, way, not- but that's, again, that's like, I believe that was Fast 7, and I think that – look, my point really is the reason primarily and, – and again, I, I quite enjoy those movies. I've watched them all multiple times. But the reason that Vin Diesel's Dominic Toretto and Paul Walker's uh, – now Brian uh, are iconic is because they're the lead actors in action flicks we love, not because they're well-developed – interesting men with with like complex interior lives yeah look i'm not here to argue that the fast and furious is well written uh, well but again this is my point is like i hear you yes there is a hollowness to this but there is a hollowness to most you know pure escapist action films i think could you imagine a spinoff being made about an ancillary character of the gray band how many this is okay the ancillary characters that got the spinoff weren't introduced until the fifth movie or sixth movie in the franchise. So I just don't think you can make that comparison. My whole point is this is where it starts. And the question is, can you continue to produce? First of all, is it worthwhile financially? And more to the point, can you continue to produce? Because look, Whatever you want to say about the writing and and the forgettableness of this movie, which, again, I'm not totally disagreeing with. Ultimately, it was fun and it looked great. (laughs) Right? Like, and if that's the goal, and I think movie audiences have proven that if, if it's fun and funny at times and it looks great and there's awesome action set pieces, like... People want to see that movie at least a couple times a year. Do you get the sense that people are responding to this movie in that way? Are you lying? Are you you you're down for Gray Man Two or whatever? If that well, goes. I have no idea if people have responded in that way. But I will say this: those movies that we're talking about, they don't get a lot of post-release run in the zeitgeist because there's not a lot to talk about. Right. That's what the I mean. Fast and the I mean, Furious when it. W- it's it's a it's probably in the news more the day it's announced than the day after it comes out or like the week after well, it comes oh, out. Oh, I don't know. I really feel those fast fast and furious. Well, because again, because because there's so it's like the day the, the weekend of their release you feel them cuz they're top of the box office. But that's just a count of people watching it. 
it's not you don't hear a bunch of discussion about what happened in the show. It's not like you you if you don't if you don't watch it, you avoid Twitter for spoilers. You know what I'm saying? It's not something Uh-oh. people talk about the content of. It's something no, something people talk I mean, about the existence of. That may be specific for me in my life and for some of the people that I encounter both in my personal life and on podcasts or whatever, but that is decidedly not true for me. Like really? I can often tell you plot points from these movies that I don't watch because I hear so much about them. Huh. So Well listen, sometimes uh, you're more in more in the Zeitgeist than I am, so maybe I'm wrong about that. But I think of them I as movies with a guy where who, like who has a Fast and Furious tattoo. You know what I mean? And like some of my favorite podcasters, you know, go on, love these movies and go on at length about them. So I, I, you know, that may be specific to my situation. I don't know, but I hear a lot about what happens in those movies That's well funny. after they come out. That's funny. Okay. Well, they're not to me something that you need to really talk about the content of. I think there was a lot of buzz about the release of the gray man. And then the question really is how many people watched it? Because if right. millions of people exactly watched it, <laughs> then there will be a part two. You know, it did, I do know it did not do well in the theaters, right? They do, you know, a limited theatrical release before it went to Netflix. But Well, I um, just don't know what the mechanics of that are at this point in the world at all. Right. And some of it has to do with Netflix marketing. There's a whole business side of this. Well, and here's the thing. That, if, if I – if it was no COVID – I would go to the theaters to see a movie like this, even if it was on Netflix, because I'd want to see it on the big screen. Mm. But mm. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go to a COVID theater to see it. You know, like I, I don't know. It, it's there's just a, I, you know, I don't know how to judge. Only Netflix can judge their internal numbers, which are <laughs> things that we never get to see, right? So, yeah, but exactly. if but if enough people watched it, there'll be another one, and I will watch the second one for sure, for sure. All right, because because uh, you're right. In a month, I'm not going to remember exactly what happened in this movie, but I'm going to remember that I found Ryan Gosling charming and Chris Evans hateable, which was the goal. And who doesn't like Anna Diarmas? Like, good times. Yeah, I don't know. I you know. Post Knives Out, <laughs> I've seen Anna Diarmas in a lot of crap now. <laughs> so, so I'm a little worried. Well, but wasn't she the best Anna. part of that Ben Affleck movie? I guess, but oof, what a, what a shit show good. that was. Yeah, it was. It was a shit um, show. <laughs> All right. I'm ready to move on from The Great Man and, and probably never discuss it again. So, uh, so I think we landed in different places on this one. Um, well, again, look, I mean, I don't think it bears necessarily discussion again until maybe like the the fifth ep- the fifth movie in the series when The Rock joins the cast. Yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> I'll come back if The Rock joins the cast. That's exactly. Good. That uh, you know, that's uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, you want to talk about some homework? We have some interesting items this week. Let's do it. Uh, we're gonna watch The Resort, which is on Peacock. Yeah. Um, and stars our, our man William Jackson Harper. I'm not going to say from where because Kolsky got mad when I brought it up in the pre-show. I didn't get mad. I just said that when you <laughs> said William Jackson Harper, you know, from The Good Place, as if I would not know who William Jackson Harper, uh, of course, he played Cheedy on The Good Place, for those who don't know. Uh, I just I thought it was a little dismissive of our partnership and, uh, you know, previous William Jackson Harper discussions. 
yeah, content. Yeah. You're right. It was. It was. <laughs> I wasn't trying to dismiss you. I was just trying to sell the show. <laughs> trying to sell the show. I'm uh, in. I'm in. in this as well. Uh, and Nick Offerman, you know, who's amazing. So, uh, so yeah. Hopefully that that gets you in as well. Uh, Kolsky's also in on Paper Girls. <laughs> it's extremely my shit. I believe is what he said. I did say that. Can you describe it in the way that you described it for me, so people understand what my shit is? <laughs> Well, I was I was reading about it, but basically, if I can remember this correctly, it is uh, four paper girls in 1988 uh, get caught up in crossfire between warring time travelers, changing the course of their lives forever. So, okay, so I mean, <laughs> it, 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 okay, can what? I, ha- I have an answer in mind for this, but I'm not looking for you to match that answer. I would like you to tell me uh, if, if you could, if you had to guess, what was the elevator pitch for this show? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, does it involve the word Stranger Things? It definitely does. <laughs> yeah, of course it does. Stranger Things but girls? Is that is that the p- elevator pitch? I, I, I would say, like... Stranger Things, but also Bill and Ted, except girls. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, and we'll throw Ali Wong in there. Yeah. Sold. Yeah. Sold. <laughs> All right, that's on Amazon Prime. Um, and then we are going to add to that season two of Reservation Dogs. Very excited for this. To, so. Uh, so good times. I am going to watch season two of Industry as well. Kolsky's out on that. So yeah. we're not going to be talking about it. But Out on industry. But but I'm in on another episode of the Challenge USA, so suck it up and watch that too. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get there as well. Yes, for sure. All right. Bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The light's out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.